Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the British Bird Gang Breakdown. It's fair to say it's been a bit mental since our last edition of this podcast. Lots to talk about and we're still seven-ish weeks away from the NFL draft. So it's probably only going to get even more mental as we get closer to that. With that in mind, I'm Tom. And once again, I'm joined by Callum. Hello. And TK. Hello. To break down the latest goings on with the Arizona Cardinals. And latest goings on is right. I had thought, you know, we'd, we'd planned to do a few off-season episodes. We were going to try and keep it more regular this year than we had done in previous years. But when we were planning out what we were going to talk about, we are like, we'll try an episode in February. But really, there's not going to be that much going on. And to an extent, there isn't. But the amount of rumours flying around is unbelievable. Most of them came in around in March, though. There was some things for February, but, you know, didn't seem like worth putting an episode out just for them. Absolutely. Although we will talk about them in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Shall we get the February stuff out of the way first and then get on to the big news that everyone's talking about? Or the lack of news, kind of? It's all smoke and mirrors at this time of year. What is it they call it? The season of, of lying or something like that? I've heard a few different... Uh... You could call it many things. Yeah. It might not be the right one, though. Just like the rumours. <laughs> Smokescreen season, who knows. But yes, yeah, so on to February, and we can kick that off with Patrick Peterson. He apologised for his trade demand and reaffirmed his commitment to the team at the Phoenix Open Golf Tournament. Of course, that was one of the big stories at the end of last season. Well, it was kind of in the middle of last season, which is what made it more shocking to me. Well, yeah, before the trade deadline. Yeah, before the trade before the trade deadline in, in October or so, Patrick Peterson was going on record sort of saying, well, the Cardinals better trade me away. At that point, who can blame him? It wasn't the best time to be a Cardinal or a Cardinals fan. I thought he'd already apologised for this, actually. Now I think about it... it- or has he just apologised again just because? Well, it came out in February because he was doing some golf tournament and, like, he took the microphone and, like, said to the crowd that he was staying and he wanted to stay here for a long time. And he also said sorry, I think, or something along those lines. Yeah, he, he did apologise at the time. I think he said, you know, at the time he reaffirmed his commitment to the team and, and to want to play in Arizona, but that was also as the trade deadline was approaching and he wasn't, you know, clearly wasn't going to be traded. And I think that this has a lot more sincerity to it because it's free agency in like six days or something like that. He could be asking to be traded again, but if he's reaffirming his commitment, then you know I'd, I'd say that that's a good sign. Another person who did reaffirm their commitment was Larry Fitzgerald. His year is returning for another season after signing a one-year deal. I think it's his 16th season, isn't it? Yeah, I want to say yes. Yeah. Which I, I'm genuinely surprised that this was after our last episode as well, which is, um, you know, we were kind of waiting for it. We were fairly, you know, I think that this season was the first season it's felt, it felt more likely that he wasn't going to come back than he was going to come back. Yeah, he said a couple of days ago with an interview that he didn't want to leave on such bad terms. I get that. After such a terrible season. I'm sure the money helps as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially, you know, I imagine that the the announcement of Steve Wilkes being fired and Cliff Kingsbury coming in and the fact that the organization's clearly ready for a period of, of change to try and get away from, you know, last year and to kind of reinvent the team. I think that might be a factor in deciding that, you know, actually this is going to be an exciting place to be. This is going to be a place that he can play and have fun as well. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. The very much taken for his word when he says, I don't really want to play anywhere else. I'd rather just see out my career here. 
but he's reached a point in his career where a lot of other wide receivers and people in his position would have gone by now and just retired. So he doesn't have to stick around for anyone, not even himself. So I think that when he does sign these one-year deals, although it's nothing long-term committing, I wouldn't expect him to. And the fact that he does keep coming back, I think he's probably just his natural desire to stay in the game while he's still capable of doing it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what that's what Steve Keim um, and, and sort of Michael Bidwell and all these guys say every year. Because every year in January, there's a press conference that says, hey, coach, is, uh, is Larry Fitzgerald coming back for another year? And they sort of say, well, you know, the routine nowadays is that they give Larry you know, a couple weeks, he goes and gets his head together and rests his body and like sees how he feels about it. And, you know, that makes sense. That's why he's signing these one-year deals because he's going to have to make it on a season-by-season basis. That being said, I'm fairly certain that if we had, you know, even made it to the Super Bowl a few years ago when we lost in the NFC Championship to uh, North Carolina, Carolina that we would have you know he, he would have retired then and he would have you know retired with a nice rounded out career he's got a couple of good targets to try and hit this season as well I think hasn't he coming up there's there's two or three that he can move up move up a place on the leaderboard isn't there yeah I think he's getting close to number two in uh, I'm not sure which one it is but it's just behind Tony Gonzalez I think yeah I mean he's got a long way to catch Jerry Rice but you know if he wants to sign a 10-year deal and keep that going <laughs> I was about to say that you know the Jerry Rice ones are a little bit out of his reach, but I think with with decent numbers in this next season, he can pretty much cement himself in second place for a long time to come. Well, I mean, he, he's he's now in second place all time by uh, like you know tens of catches, and he could probably put it into the you know the the high tens of catches. Um, to, to move up another space, you know. So, yeah, I guess to some extent he's probably playing for the awards, but I think he also just plays for the love of the game as well. And clearly last year there wasn't going to be that much chance to to have a, a good time with, with the game. So hopefully if he comes back for another year, and well, he is coming back for another year, but hopefully the Cardinals are able to, you know, help him have a more fun season. Bless you in your purest ways, Colin. <laughs> He's in it for the love of the game. He says that frequently <laughs> behind his, you know, $100,000 suit. February also saw a handful of signings for the Cardinals ahead of free agency. They added Tanner Valajo, who is a linebacker via waivers, and then signed tight end Charles Clay, defensive end Brooks Reed, and cornerback Robert Alford. So, yeah. I mean, none, none of these names popped out to me during the during the month whenever I was sort of seeing signings popping up. Had you seen much of these guys before? I mean, Alford's had a couple of good seasons in Atlanta, but they cut him because he spent most of last year injured. And he was due, I think, $8 million this year. So obviously a cap casualty sort of thing. But I mean, he's already immediate cornerback two upgrade for us. Well, that's that's a position that we've you know been lacking in for a long time. And... That's going to be one of the, the closest ones to watch when it comes to free agency in the draft as well. But in the meantime, you know, being able to pick up people outside of free agency and um, begin to shape up the team, especially you know, the defense. Not a lot of people are paying much attention to the way the defense is shaping up at the moment because of the fact that we have Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach. But I guess it's, you know, the, there are still a lot of holes that we have to fill in the defense as well. Yeah, especially when we've just cut Josh Bynes the other day yesterday actually by time of recording 
Yeah, it was like last night, wasn't it, I think? I heard it on the way home from work today, which is obviously, like, that's a massive loss, really. He was he was another, um, you know, big guy on the defensive side, but I think people were saying that it's because he's more of a 3-4 a player and we're moving to a 4-3, or is that he, that he's a 4-3 player and we're moving to a 3-4? I can never remember which. Yeah, we're moving back to a 3-4 this year. So he's just going to fit less into the scheme, so... It makes sense to to not hold on to somebody and, and kind of go with the more athletic builds of guys. Um, not not hold on to somebody just because they're you know a good player and, and a well respected guy if they're not going to fit in your scheme. The final bit of news we got from February is the fact that the Cardinals were awarded four compensatory draft selections in the upcoming. NFL draft, including the Mr. Irrelevant selection. We had Mr. Irrelevant a few years ago, didn't we? We did, yes. We used that on Gerald Christian, and now he's somewhere in the AAF League, I think. Thus proving the pick to be true. It's funny because a lot of the guys <laughs> that get um, that are undrafted and, and come into the league do relatively well, so it just goes to show that you know even dropping that far down, it doesn't automatically make you awful but it's always an interesting title for me they get a nice parade and everything for it that's true yeah yeah it's ironic how relevant mr irrelevant is (laughs) yeah it gets very gets a lot of attention in fact if you're not mr irrelevant but the person that's picked before mr irrelevant you get a hell of a lot less coverage which means we now have 11 selections in the draft of course, you could end up with more if there's trades happening and that sort of thing, or less as well if there's trades happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think 11 selections is a really strong possession to be going into the draft with, right? Yeah, especially with where some of them are. Yeah, happening to have the number one overall pick, which obviously brings us nicely onto our March selection of this episode. And now, Tom, you've called this March Madness, and that couldn't be a more accurate title. I know, it's been mental, and it's only seven days in. I feel like we're going to have potentially content for two or three podcasts before March is out. But the, the, the real question with like literally all of the news for the past week has been, what is just complete fabrication of the brains of people in the media, and what is the kernel of truth that might be there? Of course, March is the month of the NFL Combine. And of course, there is a lot of insider reports where everyone seems to now know who's going number one overall. Oh, obviously, because, you know, everyone's made that decision by now. You know, like it's 50 days till the draft. But of course, um, the the Cardinals staff know who they're going to take at number one. Well, Cliff Kingsbury was going around the combine telling everyone who was going to draft, apparently. What was the <laughs> phrase again? Done deal? That's the phrase I've seen being thrown around? Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. He's not going to be doing that. Uh, yeah. And he's obviously denied that he's done it anyway on the podcast he does with the Cardinals. Yeah, I think as well, people were taking something that he'd said previously in college coaching quite seriously where he said oh if i ever had the the pick i'd take him yeah and it was just like a like a flattering comment during the time in college football but it's just interesting that they've actually ended up in that scenario and people are trying to make something huge out of that comment i think from whenever i can't remember when it was now but it was a while ago but the thing is with that comment if he didn't make that would we even be interested in kyla murray exactly that and that's where i think this starts from like I, I, don't get me wrong he's probably quite high on the the draft radar but would people be making such a big thing about this pick if it wasn't for complimentary comment that he made 
six months ago or however long it was. The reason that there's such a buzz about Kyler Murray is because he's just like a different type of quarterback. He's very short for a quarterback. He's five foot ten. He's relatively light for one as well. And he plays in a much different style. He plays with a lot of runs um, and a lot of short passes. And it's this kind of, you know, people are calling him the future of football. He's like what He's Russell Wilson 2.0 kind of people are, are coming out with. Yeah. And and really, you know, I, I can see why people are getting excited, but this guy really needs to be in the right scheme at the right time. And for me, that number one thing means that you're going to have to have a good O-line. If you want a QB that's going to be able to run it as well, you need to have a good O-line. But yeah, you're going to need a good O-line. And that's our first thing that we need to sort. Uh, and that's that's where our draft and our, our our free agency should be looking as well. I mean, everyone keeps saying that he'll fit better in Cliff Kingsby's offense, but you know that might not technically be true because Kingsby's one who's worked with a number of different quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. So you know, he doesn't have to have like a specific type. He can work with what he's got, and he's been saying a lot of positive things about Josh Rosen, which makes you think, like, why would they get rid of him? Why would they even entertain trying drafting someone else? I think that's where some of this rumor comes from as well as just this idea that like it would be such a drama move to pick Kyler Murray and send Josh Rosen packing somewhere else. But it's not worth the hit to the cap space for me. And at the end of the day, we've not seen Josh Rosen at, you know, even the, the slightest bit of his best. We've seen him behind a terrible offensive line with no weapons. With a terrible offense running as well. Terrible offense, two yeah. offensive coordinators behind a head coach who had a historically bad season. All of these things combined and people are ready to give him up? Nah, I don't think so. Especially when you spent a number four pick for him last year. Yeah, exactly. We traded up for that choice last season. Um, we gave up quite a bit for it, yeah. Yeah, so like with that in mind, I guess you'd have to say, what, you know, who's decision was that was it was it coming more from the time and the and the, the club itself or was it coming more from sort of coach and offensive you know what i mean where did it come from because you can see a, a new head coach walking in and kind of feeling well it's not really my guy i want my own but i don't know if i, I just can't see that being the case like i can't see that he would look at Rosen and be like, nope, I can do nothing with this guy. I need a new guy. So one of the arguments I've seen for um, the Cardinals taking Kyler Murray, and I think it's you know one of the, the best ones, is the Cardinals have already taken a bit of a shot on Cliff Kingsbury. Um, there's a lot of people still really, really unconvinced by him as an NFL head coach. Obviously, all this stuff about um, having a, a sub-500 record in college, all of that. People are still really um, not convinced by him. And I reckon if you're the Cardinals and you've gone on a bit of a gamble to hire this guy, if he says, I want Kyler Murray, he is my guy, I can make my offense work really, really well with him, let's do it. Then if you're already on the all-in move, you might as well keep going. That's the the argument I've seen for it. But that hinges on, that hinges on Cliff Kingsbury standing there going, I don't want Josh Rosen. Let's take an $8 million cap hit, send him away for you know a compensatory pick, which I think uh, Kurt Warner was saying as a third rounder, which seems a bit harsh to me, but really not getting the value that you've put into him back. A third rounder doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. Like his cap hit with the 
with every whoever he gets traded to. You're looking at something like two million a season, something like that, because if his bonus has all been paid by the Cardinals. Exactly. It's basically nothing. And um, I briefly talked to you guys about this previously, but if it was to come down to a situation where the Raiders were on the phone and saying, hey, we'll give you three first round picks for, for your first overall pick, then you know that's a great deal. Anything short of another first round to have in along with your first and, and get rid of Josh Rosen, it seems not you know, it doesn't add up. I mean, if they phoned up to offer free first-round picks for number one, you know, I'd snap their arm off. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, that'd be a, for the draft episode, I suppose. We can go through all sort of theories and scenarios, that sort of thing. Well, the the rest of the media is already on there, despite the fact that we've still got free agency to come, which is opening up next week. Yeah, I mean, you see plenty of mock drafts buying into the Kyler Murray story. I think it's just a waste putting him at number one. Because we're not going to take him. I mean, we we can talk about it more when it comes to the uh, to the draft itself. But there's Joey Bosa sitting there. Yeah, and it's not like he had a bad combine. He had a fantastic combine, and he's an excellent talent. And he's at a position that the Cardinals need. So realistically, to me, that's where that whole scenario goes. But yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, but also on Kyler Murray, everyone seemed to be saying how he interviewed terribly at the combine. However, others went on to suggest that that wasn't the case for his interview with the Cardinals. So, you know, I think they're really trying to sell this thing to us, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it seems to be the the sort of national media in the US is all in on the story of Kyler Murray to Arizona, and they're really trying to make that happen. Whereas the Arizona-specific media is all doing exactly the opposite. Where the and where the rumor that he'd interviewed terribly with other people came from, I don't know. But everyone else, all the other teams, still seem excited about him if they could get him. So yeah, I'm not I'm not sure where that rumor started. It was from an NFL Network guy, Charlie Casterly. He's been around the league for like centuries, I think. Look by the look of him. <laughs> Even then, I'm not sure how far south you could go in an interview in 15 minutes. I mean, have you not seen his interview he did in the Super Bowl week? Like, you should look it up. It's something he did on the, I think it was a Dan Patrick show. Look it up on YouTube later. It's embarrassing. Like, it doesn't give answers at all whatsoever. Give, give, give us the highlights. I mean, you'll have to watch it yourself, because, you know, I don't know it word for word. It's just like, when he's answering questions, he's like waiting for prompts off people behind the camera, that sort of thing. Oh, dear. I mean, that that could be just like very stringent, you know, media specific training, you know, like we're going to we're going to spin doctor everything you say and you might appear a bit like an idiot waiting for it, but at least you'll say the right things. You didn't say the right things though. You didn't say anything really. It was just oh, car crash TV. Oh, no. Okay, I'll watch that once we're uh, once we're done here. And of course, if that was to happen, the Cardinals would eventually end up trading away Josh Rosen. Of course, we've got several teams apparently interested, although other people seem to be saying the Cardinals haven't even shopped him around. You know, they're what to believe these days. But before we go on, do you mind uh, defining shopping for me? Because this one's been confusing me for, for the last sort of week or so with the Cardinals are shopping Josh Rosen, the Cardinals are not shopping Josh Rosen. You just mean like they're trying to see if anyone else is interested in him? You know, like phoning up other general managers? Okay. I'd always read it in, in years gone by when it wasn't related to the Cardinals. I'd always read it in, in a way that was like they were workshopping him, as in getting him ready for the season. No, that's what they mean by that. It's just one of these Americanisms. 
But yeah, I think if we did end up trading him away, which I don't think we will, we better not because I bought a Josh Rosen jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically why I don't want it to happen. <laughs> I mean, I wasted like 80 quid on a jersey to have like one year out of it. Yeah. Ridiculous. No, I I can't see it happening personally. I don't think that anything we would get for it is worth it. And I don't know if there's any team at the moment who needs a QB um, so badly that they would take the, the jump on Josh Rosen considering what he managed to put on film last year. You know, we can sit here and we can say, like, obviously we didn't see the best of Josh Rosen. We don't know that for sure. We can, like, highly speculate it, but anybody who would be wanting to, you know, pay for him um, and, and, like, call the Cardinals up and offer something for him wouldn't be looking at him in that way. They'd be wanting something certain. Um, so you're talking about the uh, Washington or the Giants or something like that. Yeah, the Giants is a name I've seen sort of thrown around a fair bit, to be honest. And Washington now another one, yeah. We're obviously with Alex Smith's broken leg. That makes a bit of sense. Plus, they have no cap room, so he'd actually fit in their budget. Uh, same with the Dolphins as well, actually. There was people sort of chatting about him going on to the Dolphins. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine that we would get anything that would be worth them just now and just sort of throwing away what we do have on the potential of Kyler Murray. I think is a bit daft. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, and it's something that I just totally don't do. I'd still be a fan, but, you know, I just wouldn't be happy with it, really, until he starts winning. (laughs) Then I'm back on the bandwagon. Oh, yeah, definitely. Screw Josh Rosen if that happens. One of the biggest clues is going to be over the next week as free agency starts up, but I think that we're going to see something that's going to be completely... It's not going to actually give us an answer for who's going to be QB next year because... Free agency for me is going to be all about uh, the O-line, getting depth back in the O-line. As I heard somebody say earlier this week, hit the big red reset button on the offensive line play. Shall we move on to the mailbag? Because we've got a couple of questions to round off the episode. Oh, go on then. Yep. So our first question is from at Ben Abbott Prince. And he says, hypothetically, if both Kyler and Josh were in the same draft class, who would you choose? So for me... Josh actually would have been in this draft class, obviously, if he hadn't if he decided to play another year of college, but he opted for the the early option for the draft. And I think that in this case, and I'm not just sort of saying this as a Cardinals fan, you go for Josh Rosen out of the two here because although Kyler Murray's got some exciting upside and he can run the ball and all that sort of stuff, Josh Rosen is ready for the NFL as it is now. Not what it might be in five or ten years if Kyler Murray comes in and changes the position. You've got a guy who's ready to play right now. In fact, he's played as a starter for, I think he played two full years as a starter in college, whereas Kyler Murray's only played one year as a starter. And again, there's that factor of the height. And the NFL, as we know, is a lot more physical than college football. So it's yet to see whether Kyler Murray will be affected by you know, potentially being more injury prone or whatever. I think I'd probably agree with that wholeheartedly. Like the the prospect of them both being together, it, it would genuinely depend on if you wanted somebody now, like you say, or somebody to build something for the future around, I guess. Um, and when you're taking a punt on a rookie QB, I guess you're looking for someone to build around. So I can see why you'd maybe swing that way rather than going for Rosen. I think I'd stick with Rosen if it was between those two 
Obviously, he's more like a prototypical NFL quarterback. And obviously, Kyler has his like athleticism. That's not always going to win everything. You soon get found out. Rosa's style is also something that, as a team, we're more used to, I guess. Yeah, I, I, that's actually the other question there. You know, the, the hypothetical does revolve a lot around, well, what do you have in your team already? So last year when we went into the draft, we had, I, I don't know if you remember, but we, we uh, got somebody in free agency who was going to be our starting quarterback and we were dead excited about Sam Bradford. But under that situation, you think, okay, you know, if let's say that we had somebody like Carson Palmer, somebody who was our definite starter and could mentor a young QB, then maybe in that case you go for Kyler Murray and you allow him to develop and you allow him to get ready to play in the NFL before you release him and then uh, before you release him onto the field and you go, hey, you know, wild card, look at this, we can, we can run it, we can throw it, we can do all of this. Whereas in the situation that, you know, we, we would be in just now, which is we're drafting a QB who needs to start week one, then in that case you go Josh Rosen, don't you? Yeah. Our second question comes from at McNeil Ben. He says, Murray Rosen aside, what kind of impact do you think the draft circus in play right now will have on Kingsbury and his first off-season as an NFL head coach? So the nice thing about head coaches seems to be that there's a bit of camaraderie in that group and that they all kind of help each other out. And Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, as well, has been around the NFL before. He knows a lot of these folks. So when he's you know, going to the combine and all of these things. He's seeing people he recognizes. He's, you know, chatting to lots of different folks. And I think he's been sort of very upbeat about the whole process so far. Uh, he seems very, very confident in knowing all of the players, who they are, what they're capable of. And I think that that's going to be really instrumental in in hopefully the success of the draft class that he manages to pull out of it. I mean, that's the the whole process of the draft really does take a couple of months. And right now it's at a speculation stage. And I think that that's a very easy stage to be in because he's just having a bit of fun with the media. Um, he's, I think possibly, there's, there is a, a chance that he's deliberately throwing out smoke screens to kind of mess with all of the opposition and, and make his bargaining position a lot better when it comes to draft night but you know it, it seems as though he's ready to do it and he's got an experienced front office to do it with him as well so i i, I you know i just feel like the team is in very safe hands when it comes to this draft at the moment it just depends how much how many secrets he wants to break out as well at the combine tell everyone who we're drafting and everything like that <sighs> Part of me thinks that there's a there's a certain amount of that that's deliberate as well because it does help drive your bargaining position. If people really think that you are going to go for Kyler Murray at the first pick, then they might be willing to offer you a lot more for uh, a lot more for that first pick so that they can move up and and get them. Whereas if they sort of think, oh, these guys have nothing to gain from the first pick versus being the 31st pick then they're not going to give them a good deal for it or they're not going to give them as good a deal for it do you know what part of me has been thinking over the last week or so that how much of this is being like played up because it's beneficial to us in terms of trade options or something like that because throw fuel on that fire of the fact that he might be going one and here's all the reasons why and 
here's why is the future of the NFL, all these kind of comments is enticing for a big team to potentially offer something that's actually more useful to us right now in a trade for that kind of pick in order to obtain that player. Oh yeah, I, I agree, absolutely. And, you know, it's difficult to say because it gets all a bit conspiracy theory when it comes to that, but, you know, there's part of it is just the media wants stories. You know, there's this whole media circus built up around the NFL and it's really got not that much to talk about in the off season. So you've got to come up with some sort of stories to fill column inches and keep getting clicks. And and this is a good story, but equally, if you're just savvy about it and you can use the media, you know, really wanting to to get these stories, then why not use that to your advantage? Why not pick up a few extra bits of uh, of, of headlines that, you know, do you a favor? We'll move on to our final question, and that comes from Dave Harrison. Who do you see as our top free agency targets, both new players and also retaining currently out-of-contract players? One one big need that the Cardinals have is wide receiver. And I was really disappointed when I had a look through... By the way, if you head to, to the Arizona Cardinals website, there's a really, really good section of um, free agency primers and who's available where and what we need and all that sort of stuff. But I was really disappointed at the fact that there's no good wide receivers there's no big star wide receivers that are um hitting free agency apart from the biggest one i'd seen some suggestions that tivon austin might be a good choice for us and i can i can possibly see that working that's not a bad show he and he's one that... that was one of the ones that i'd seen suggested that i'm i agreed with most anyway yeah he's a good fit but another one that would be quite expensive one that i thought would be potentially a good fit middling price uh, and that the Cardinals know well would be Golden Tate. Ah, yeah. You know, the Cardinals faced him twice a season for his first four seasons or something like that when he was up in Seattle. They know him. They know how he plays. He's a good player and can play quite, you know, quite wide and all that sort of stuff. But I think as well, we, we really need somebody with speed to replace what JJ Nelson had been doing for us. He's still there though. He is still there, but he he got what seven catches last year. So he's still there corporeally, but not, you know, doing what he should have been doing. Maybe he'll break out in Cliff's offense. But I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> A quarterback have being able to hold on to the ball for more than four seconds without being sacked. I think one player we've been linked to is Baltimore linebacker CJ Mosley. And apparently there's reports out that we're going to try making him the highest paid linebacker in the league. Ooh, very exciting. Interesting. The highest paid linebacker at the moment is Luke Keekley, and he's on like 12 million per year. So it'd be quite a hefty paycheck we'd be looking at then. Well, he wasn't released by Baltimore, but they opted not to tag him before the deadline the other day. Yeah. So now he should hit the free agency market next week. I, I had seen that, and sometimes that means that the team and the player have worked it out so that the player just gets a bigger signing bonus and then a lower salary. Um, but, you know, it, it could mean some, you know, quite exciting potential uh, to, for him to come over here. It makes sense by the cut Josh Barnes. Then. Yeah, definitely. Could go straight in there. Who was it I'd seen? It was a former Cardinal that played at the Broncos. 
uh, Jared Valdir. Yeah. Um, there was chat of him coming back at some point. Is he under contract with them or not? Uh, no, he's just been released. Oh, um, interesting. I, unfortunately, the reason that he was released from the Broncos was because he couldn't stay healthy. And that's also, I believe, the reason that he got cut from the Cardinals as well. Now we traded him away to them for like a six-round pick or something like that. But that was that was one of his historical problems while he was here as well. Yeah, but he was better than some right tackles we've had. Yeah. And we've true. obviously missed him this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's very true. But I mean, we missed everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the big one would obviously be a, a left tackle. Like, re- really, we need every position in the offensive line except center. And even then, we could do with another center for depth. We've got A.Q. Shipley for depth or Mason Cole for depth. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got two, those two guys who've been, you know, great. Mason Cole was a bit shaky during the season, but now that A.Q. Shipley should theoretically be healthy again, latest reports are saying. You know, we've got two guys there, but I think given how badly our line has been injured... You know, the last while I wouldn't wouldn't be against having somebody who, else who could play centre along there as well. Can't forget Justin Pugh either. Yeah, Justin Pugh. Big money signing last year. Absolutely. Obviously got injured because he's a Cardinals offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, what, did we have 10 different starting lineups of the offensive line? Yeah, over a 17-game stretch. That's impressive, but not a good kind of impressive. But yeah, as for um, the rest of free agency, it really is going to depend on who the market is. I think some, if there's a good left tackle, a veteran left tackle hitting the market, we should definitely be going for him. I think Jared Valdir would be good if we can pick him up for cheap. Yeah, we've, we've picked up a cornerback too, but more cornerbacks and never going to say no to more cornerbacks. Obviously, it depends how if we end up cutting Rosen because that'll take away at least 16 million of our available cap. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you have to, like, so if we don't go for, like, a big splash, then maybe we know that could be a thing. But if we do splash out on someone like Mosley, then obviously it's a bit less likely. Yeah, but then if we splash out on somebody like Golden Tate, then the people will just, you know, even though it's a big splash out and it's less likely that we'll draft... Um, Kyler Murray, people will say, look, they're picking up Golden Tate as a target for Kyler Murray. Yeah. Or Josh Rosen, but you know. Or Josh Rosen, but that's not that's not what the headline's going to say. Yeah, I, there's a few few guys I'd be excited about, but um, mainly the thing that I'll be watching with free agency is what it's going to tell us about who we're going to draft, essentially. But I, don't, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be a conservative free agency for us because we are in rebuild mode at this point. We're going to be letting guys go that need to be let go and we're going to be in you know signing as many people as we can under the cap as possible fingers crossed jermaine gresham's one of them <laughs> we'll have a special episode if he does we'll just yeah a little sort of celebration episode we we have to release it just slightly too early though <laughs> just before the news is made complete we'll, we'll release it as the rumors start that is a like fantastically niche specific joke <laughs> accurate but (laughs) yeah i mean this is a fantastically niche specific podcast so well that is very true and yeah i think that's pretty much us at the end of our fantastically niche specific podcast for the start of march i'd say the fun starts soon but you know it's already started it's been absolute chaos and i'm loving it i'm not i hate it And I just I I listen to a bit of NFL news and then I watch the AAF to like unwind. <laughs> but yes, I'll do it for episode seventy of the British Bird Gang Breakdown.
As always, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us at British Beard Gang. And also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash British Beard Gang. Celebrate March being free agency by joining the British Beard Gang Club at Beard Gang Club UK if you haven't already done so. Buy British Beard Gang merch at britishbeardgang.tml.com. And of course, if you like what you listen to on this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and wherever else you listen to it. positive ones, though. Only positive ones, yes. Really after positivity these days. <laughs> we need it. I mean, like, look at the season we've just had. I think a little positivity is, is well-deserved in our lives now. Yes, well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again before the draft, I think. Yeah, I think before the draft. A post-free agency pre-draft episode somewhere in there. Hopefully Kyler Murray free zone, but you never know. <laughs> Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.